Well, if you have your Bibles, I need you to turn to the book of Hebrews. Hebrews chapter number 11. And we're going to be looking at verses 3 through 4 tonight. Uh, as we are now kind of coming to the end of this book, uh, we've come to the 11th chapter. And the 11th chapter, of course, we uh, all are familiar with. It's the faith chapter because it starts giving by faith, by faith, by faith, by faith. If you had to put a title on this evening's message, it would be, Let's Do It God's Way. Now, for those of us who are more mature, uh, I remember Frank Sinatra. I remember Frank Sinatra. Uh, and uh, Nick, did you ever pray? For, uh, did you play with Frank Sinatra by any chance? Uh, he missed out. But uh, Frank... Uh, sang that song that he was noted for, and I did it. Oh, y'all know. Well, it's a, a catchy little tune, and I understand the, the words to that and what he's trying to convey, but uh, that's uh, not a good way to live your life. Uh, because when we do it our way, we mess it up. But if we do it God's way, he'll get the glory, he'll get the honor, and we'll be far, far better by doing it God's way. And when we come to the 11th chapter, we see that uh, many of these that are made mention as we go through the rest of this chapter, we see uh, that uh, he's using Old Testament saints. And he's using them as illustration and he's helping us uh, to see that uh, they were doing it by faith. And because they were doing it by faith, they were doing it God's way. Those of us who are believers in the Lord Jesus Christ... That's the way we should be conducting our life. That's how we should be operating. And the church of the living God should be operating not our way, uh, not someone else's way, but we're trying to do it God's way. And when we're doing it God's way, we must be doing it by faith. And so with that in mind, you're in chapter number 11. We're looking at verse 3. Through faith. We understand that the worlds were formed by the word of God. Now, I'm just going to stop right there. We are living in a day when creationism is under attack. Matter of fact, if you believe in creation, you believe what the Bible says about how this universe came into existence, they look at you and they'll say you're not intelligent, that you're stupid, that you don't know what you're talking about. Don't you understand? It's, uh, it's science and, and, and they throw all this other kind of stuff at us. Uh, but I've come to find out the reason why creationism is under attack because if you can take God out of creation, you can take God of the rest of your life. And that's exactly what they're trying to do. So he says that the worlds were framed by the word of God so that things which are seen were not made of things which do appear. Amen. Pretty good. Pretty good. Now look at verse number four and it says, by faith... 
Abel offered unto God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain, by which he obtained witness that he was righteous and God testifying of his gifts, and by it he being dead yet speaketh. Tonight, we're going to look at doing it God's way. Lord, we thank you for the reading of the word. We thank you for the power contained in your word. And Lord, I pray tonight that you'd help us. Lord, that you'd help me uh, to be able to convey uh, something that's going to feed our people. Our people need to be fed on a regular basis. And Lord, I know in and in myself, I cannot do that. The task is far too great. But you working in me and enabling me, uh, those things that seem impossible become possible. And Lord, I pray for that one that comes, uh, has come in on a Sunday night service that does not know you, does not have a personal relationship with you. Lord, I pray that they would come under conviction and uh, we'll see the need of a Savior and they'll be saved tonight. But Lord, maybe there are many here tonight, they're secure in their salvation. They just need to be encouraged because you're going to go back to work where there are those who are going to mock and ridicule their faith. We have a number of our students who will be going back to school and some of them are going to be challenged because of their faith. Some of them are going to be made fun. And Lord, I pray that you'd help us to be a people that will be firm in our foundation, that we will not be shaken, we will not be upset, but we will know that we know that we know that our job is not to try to talk them in to believe in the way we believe, but Lord, help us to understand it's by faith and only you can change their mind, only you can change their heart. But Lord, you use us many times over. I pray tonight that everyone in this room will have an opportunity to share their faith with someone who's lost and on their way to hell and they'll recognize they're in need of a Savior. Thank you for all that you've done for us. Thank you for meeting with us this morning. Thank you for meeting with us this evening. And we give you all the praise and glory for what you've done. And we also praise you for what you're going to do. And we pray all of this in the mighty name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. Amen. So we see here a very simple message. It's a message that we're wanting to do it God's way. But I notice here in verse number three, we've already alluded to it. We uh, call this creationism. Now, we're not going to go get in and, and give a whole lot of detail pertaining to that, but basically creationism, and there's different uh, definitions of that as well, but here it is in a nutshell, uh, that you just go ahead, you read God's Word, and you take God's Word by faith. Amen. You believe that there was a God. Amen. And this God uh, didn't have any help in creating the world in which we know it. We also need to understand, A.T. Robertson said it this way. A.T. Robertson said that verse number three denies uh, the, the, the subject of matter and places God before there was anything visible. Amen. 
That's a pretty good definition, is it not? And so we see, as I alluded, is that those that are attacking all that God spoke it into existence. Now you go back to Genesis, and in Genesis we see the account. But right off the bat, in verse number one, and he says, in the beginning, God created now understand the word usage here in the Hebrew. It probably doesn't uh, convey itself the way it means. It's not saying that there was a beginning because there was no beginning before the Lord. The Lord has always been. He was. He was. He was here before there was a beginning as we know it. And also understand the scriptures is quite clear is that he did not have to have any matter that he worked with. See, when he created, he spoke it into existence. He didn't have to have any help. He didn't have to have matter to be able to work with and try to come up with something. He spoke it into existence. And the Bible says, in the beginning, God created. Matter of fact, God's the only one that can create. See, a man cannot create. He says, oh, no, 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 no. He creates. No, 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 no. Man makes. God's the only one that can create. Because that word is a very strong word. The word gives, uh, uh, gives reference to that he didn't have anything to work with. God spoke it into existence. And we see chapter 1 of Genesis. In that verse, that first chapter, we see in the 31 verses, God by name is mentioned 32 times. Some have said that this chapter, chapter 1, is the most God-centered chapter in the whole Bible. But not only that, not only is his name mentioned 32 times, but if you throw in the personal pronouns that relate to God, 43 times in 31 verses, God is made mention of or God is referred to. Why is that? Because God knew that this word was going to be challenged. And so right off the bat, the, uh, the writer of Genesis goes ahead. There's no question about it. He doesn't mess around with it. He, uh, he just goes ahead and he says, God created. Now, those of us who believe in Scripture, uh, we don't have to explain scientifically how all this fell out. Even though the Bible will, even though it's not a book of, of science, it will prove scientifically that the Word of God is what the Word of God is. It's truth. We also see that many times over, and I remember in one of our trips to Israel, uh, Brother Ronnie was uh, our, our, our guide and a, a super guy, but uh, every time we would go to these sites, and then he would talk about archaeological digs. He was an archaeologist as well, and he would talk about things, and uh, he said that now for some time there was no visible evidence that, that this is what took place, but later on, after they started to uh, have archaeological uh, digs, they would uh, find, and he gave visible proof, but he says no matter if they found the visible proof, or not, if the Word of God said it, that settled it, and God's Word is always true. And so, he says, 
the worlds were formed. They were made. Now, as I made mention, why is this uh, chapter, why is Genesis, the account in Genesis of creation, why is that such an attack? Because if you take God out of creation, then you can take God out of the creation. If you take a creator out of it, then you can start uh, tearing apart John chapter 1, verse number 1, where it says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was God. But then it goes on and says, And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. So if you can go ahead and tear down that there was not a creator, uh, then you can go ahead and say, Then there was not a Jesus and if you take Jesus out of the equation, then what happens is we're all into our own. I mean, it doesn't matter what you think. It doesn't matter how you live because we just do our own thing. And everybody's right. You don't have any reason to question somebody's lifestyle. You don't have any reason to question if someone says there's more than one way to heaven because when you take a creator out and then you're taking the uh, creation out, then you take out the fact that there was a man by the name of Jesus who died for our sins who hung on an old rugged cross who shed his blood so you could have remission of your sin and on the third day he arose from the grave and now he's sitting at the right hand of the Father see if you can go ahead and tear up Genesis 1 then you can go ahead and rip everything else up as well that's the reason why there's such an attack on creationism so what we're calling it, we're calling, okay, we'll soften it up a little bit. An intelligent design. Well, what is that? Intelligent design. They're now saying that we don't have, there had to be a starting point somewhere. And so here's what we'll do. We'll go ahead and they'll come up with the Big Bang Theory. Now, may I remind you, uh, the key word there is theory. See, a theory is that this, you think this is maybe what could occur. But the problem that we're having is they say it's a theory, but they're teaching it as fact. Your children are exposed to this. Now, we used to have to worry about it uh, when they got off to college. We're starting, we better be starting to worry when they start getting in kindergarten. Because the agenda is to teach your children that there is no creator. You start teach. that's the reason why we're not able to get into the schools like we used to get into schools. Because they do not want them to hear the truth. Now I have no problems with them if they want to go ahead and they want to teach evolution as long as they go ahead and take creationism as well. But here's what they want to do. They won't give equal time to creationism and they'll go ahead and camp out and they're feeding your children that they came from a blob and we all have evolved and there's not a creator it just kind of happened and so here uh, the writer of Hebrews tells us right off the bat that God created 
Now in 1 Peter chapter 3, verse number 7, I'm paraphrasing here, but the Bible tells us that uh, he has preserved or he has made the world, but not only did he make the world, but he now has it in his control. He, he is uh, working out. He, he's not a God that just went ahead, created, walked off and said, do the best you can. Now there's that teaching as well. Panism. That's exactly what they'll tell you. Okay, we, we'll go ahead. All right, so he did create. But he has no control over it now. First Peter tells us, not only did he create, but he sustains it. Now here's the question for us, or here's what we need to understand tonight. If, God, if we believe that God created, he spoke the universe into existence. If we believe, not only did he create, but he's detailed, uh, he is working in our lives even as we're speaking. If he can hold the world together, don't you think he can hold your life together? That's good news for me because it seems like sometimes my life is spinning out of control. There seems there we're living in a society that has gone stark raving mad. I mean, they have gone nuts. And we're buying into everything. Everybody has a say-so on things. Everybody is coming to the thinking that, okay, just as long as you believe something, you're cool. Well, how stupid is that? Just as long as you're sincere... I had someone talk to me not the other day. They says, just as long as you're sincere. Well, okay, yeah, you can be sincere, but sincere people go to hell too. Uh, so here he goes in verse number three. He tells us that God sustains and God is a personal God. See, that's what separates us from all the other, and I hate to use the word religion, you do understand that you're not religious people. We're a people relationship. Okay, there's a far difference between religion and a relationship. And so we believe uh, that God is... He's involved in our daily lives. Do you believe that? Do you believe that God really cares about what goes on in your life? Do you really think that God is interested when you're having health issues, that he cares for you? Or, or, are you, or do you really believe that when your children are kind of going off the beaten path and you're concerned about them, do you think that God really cares what's going on in your life? You better believe he's concerned about it because how do we know he's concerned about it? Because if he loved us enough to die for us, don't you think he loves us enough to worry and not worry, God doesn't worry, but to be interested in what's going on in your life? Amen. And so here we see uh, that he talks and he says that God created. But then he goes on and uh, we see that, uh, and, I, and I wrote this now, uh, I've been telling you that I've, you know, I heard this or I've stole this and I, I'm going to quit doing that uh, because uh, I'm going to pretend, I'm not going to pretend, but I'm just going to go ahead and throw it out there. And if you want to think, oh, Mike came up with that, I'm just going to go ahead and let y'all do that. <laughs> and you're saying, ain't no way. 
because we know you ain't the smartest guy in the world. You had to find that somewhere else. I found this. It says that God enables us. God enables us because of our faith, because of our... See, this is what separates us. Now, not that we're a people of faith. Remember, we talked about this. Faith, some people have faith in faith, and we're not talking about this. Everybody exercise faith. It's our object of faith that sets us apart. Okay? And so our faith in the Lord Jesus, our faith enables us to see what others cannot see. And it helps us to do what others cannot do. What do we mean by this? By faith, we believe that God can save anybody. Now, some of you, there was some question about. There were some that gave up on you. You do understand that, right? There were some that said he's gone too far. There were some that says that he'll never change. He's always been like that. He will always be like that. But faith tells us as long as that man or woman, boy or girl has breath, there's hope that they can get saved. See, that's, that, that's faith kicking in. See, we will come and say, uh, do you believe uh, that uh, he still heals today? And, and so we'll go and we'll say, of course he can. But we'll, what we'll say is that we preference this and sometimes we got to be careful that we can go ahead and pray for somebody's healing, but in the back of our mind, we have that little bit of a doubt. The doctors have come in and the doctor says, we can no longer do anything else. People that do not have faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, that settles it for them. Doctor's always right. And so what happens is they give up. Some people say they give up hope. They never had hope in the first place. Because if they had hope, they wouldn't go ahead and agree with the doctor's diagnosis. Are are y'all seeing where we're going with this? Faith says God can still heal. God can heal even when the doctor says there's no hope. That's what sets us apart. Today, I was at, at the service with Brother Doug and his family. They had a, a, a private uh, a family. I had visitation, but they just had a service, and they just wanted to grieve as a family. But I was blessed because there were people that had faith in the Lord Jesus Brother Doug got up and did a wonderful job talking about his mom. Talked about how she had a personal relationship with the Lord Jesus. And even though he was broken and it was very difficult for him, he says, I have faith that I'll see my mama again. His grandson, her grandson got out and prayed and did a wonderful job. Prayed that if there was anyone lost in that family, that they would come to know Jesus Christ as their personal Lord and Savior. See, that's what sets us apart. Now, you say, well, we have faith. 
that the testimony of our loved one who said that they knew Jesus Christ and they accepted Jesus Christ, we have faith that we're going to see him again. See, and because of that, we have that blessed hope that only believers can have. A lost and dying world cannot have a blessed hope. Why? Because they do not have faith in the Lord Jesus. And when you do not have faith in the right person, then you do not have any hope. Someone has told me, what's the worst thing? No, no hope or false hope? Both of them wind up in the same category. See, I have a blessed hope. I have a no-so hope. And it's not because of who I am, it's because of whose I am. And so the, here, the writer of Hebrews says, because, and you see, it always it gets back. If we did not have a creator, if we didn't have faith that God spoke this universe into existence, then we're going to have trouble having the hope that we need and the faith that we need to be able to get through this life. And that's the reason why. Creation is under attack. But it goes on here and he says uh, uh, that he gives an example. We're in verse number four now. And in verse number four, it says uh, that we can have uh, the Old Testament. Now he gives an illustration, Old Testament. He gives the, uh, the example of Abel. But before uh, Abel, we also see all through chapter 11, he's given illustrations. We understand in Hebrews chapter 11, verse number 27, he's talking about Moses here. He's talking about that note Moses uh, when he did not fear the king. Then it goes on in that verse and says, and the reason why he did not fear the king while they were in Egypt, the reason why is because Moses saw him invisible. But the one he saw invisible because of his faith became visible. Nobody else saw it though. <laughs> you see where we're getting with this. See, that's the reason why you, you're beating a dead horse when you're trying to talk somebody in to uh, when they say, can you prove the existence of God? Here's what. And I had an old, uh, uh, he was actually a New Testament professor. He had a, a double doctorate and uh, he was going before it at Florida State University. Uh, he was going to get a, a doctorate in philosophy. He, they all knew that he was a man of faith. They all knew that he was a Baptist preacher. He knew what the question is going to be raised. And so you go before a, a, a group of guys uh, that are, uh, you know, smoke the pipes and, you know, they look intelligent, but they're dumb as rocks. And, uh, and he sat before them and they said, first question, can you prove the existence of God? Now he said at first, I thought, well, shoot, I can throw out scripture just like that. But these are non-believers. Here's what he said. No, by your definition, I cannot because this is a matter of faith. Pretty good answer. Don't, don't, don't think you can argue someone into believing the existence of God. See, this is something you cannot teach. It's something that's got to be caught. By faith, Moses was not fearful because he saw the invisible 
who became visible to him. See, we see it, not seeing it as often we ought to. When someone walks down the aisle and they come and they say, I need to be saved. And so they get down on their knees and someone prays with them and uh, they, they come to know Jesus Christ as their personal Lord and Savior. And it says, well, oh, I, I, I don't, God was moving. Well, how do you know God was moving? Well, I know God was moving, uh, but you didn't see the physical, you didn't see physical Jesus walking down. But because of our faith, we saw the invisible become visible in the life of someone who was lost and is now saved. Think about this when you go to your workplace tomorrow. Think about this when you go to your school tomorrow. That you, because of your visible appearance, because of your visible outward uh, uh, expression of your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, you're showing them in a visible way what they cannot see that's invisible. That's how faith works. And so we see it goes on, and he tells us of Abel. Now, Abel, the Bible tells us he was made righteous. Now, why was he righteous? Because of his faith. Where did his faith kick in? His faith kicked in because he understood what the proper sacrifice was. He understood that it had to be a blood sacrifice. And so by faith, Abel became obedient to do what God had called him to do. Abel, by his faith, became righteous. My dear friend, if you know Jesus Christ is your personal Lord and Savior tonight, we need to understand that you have been made righteous because of your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. And you come to recognize that in and yourself, you could not do that. You could not get to God, but because of what Jesus Christ Christ has done for you and because of your faith that you place in, and we talked about it this morning, because you've placed your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, you're also placing your faith that the blood of Jesus Christ can remove your sin. So he goes on, he says, Abel was righteous because he understood the proper. Now, but he goes on and says, that Abel was, uh, because of his faith, uh, he did it God's way. See, what we do here is by faith. That's God's way. See, we don't... I hope I can explain this. We've got a pulpit committee. And we understand that their job is to go and seek God's man. I'll say it again. That man's already been picked. Oh, who is he? I don't know but he's been picked. Why? Because my faith. We have a wonderful committee. Don't get me wrong what I'm fixing to say. I love the committee. We, uh, we got the best. Uh, it, it. But my faith is not in that committee. My faith is in God. And because of their faith, in him, he's going to reveal the right person. See how this is working? And so we, we live by faith. We don't know who it is. We don't know what it looks like. But because of our faith, it's as if we already see it. We already see it. That's how people of faith are to live. You don't live by sight. You live by the promises of God. Amen. 
And God's promised that he will take care of his church. He takes care of his people. Now, so here's the contrast. Abel was made righteous because of his faith. But it says here uh, in Jude uh, 11 that uh, on the other side, they call it it's Cain's way. See, Cain was doing what he thought needed to be done. You get in trouble when you do that. Cain thought, okay, any old sacrifice will be okay. God says, no, that's not the way we do things. Abel understood that. Abel understood that I better do it God's way. Cain says, I'm going to do it my way. Too many of our churches has been doing it their way. I can take you to church after church. I can tell you a church after church that they got away from the preaching of the word. They went ahead and started taking those things that nobody wants to preach on because it's going to stir up somebody. And so while they're doing, they're going to go ahead and skirt around the issue. They're not going to deal with sin. They're not going to deal with obedience. They're just going to go ahead, tickle your ears, uh, entertain you for a little while. And I'm telling you, that's the reason why the church is not making an impact like it ought to be making an impact because they're doing it their way. We're not doing it God's way. God's way always works. And so he see Abel and uh, Cain. And then we also see in Hebrews chapter 12, verse number 24, that it talks about the blood. It said, and the blood, uh, making reference to the blood, it's making reference to Abel. It says, and the blood, talking about the blood of Jesus Christ now, the blood is better than that that Abel gave. Now, Abel gave the right sacrifice. He came and gave a blood sacrifice. But that blood sacrifice, and you'll read it on in in Hebrews, is that the blood of goats and bullocks and other animals that they might have used, that blood is inferior blood. But the blood of Jesus Christ is superior That's the reason why it says there in Hebrews, it says, oh, yes, here, remember, the Old Testament, the Old Testament is a shadow of the better to come, right? And so he's given it, and we see it in the animal sacrifices, that that's what God pleased God at that time. But then when we're come under the new covenant, the blood of Jesus Christ trumps it all. That's the reason why we no longer are doing animal sacrifices, because the ultimate sacrifice, the Lord Jesus, when he shed his blood, he just had to do it one time which means your salvation is a one-time deal. Now, some of you can say, well, I've been saved four or five times. No, you haven't. You can only get saved one time. You only get saved one time. Why can we say that? I had the argument with a seven-day Adventist about this. I said, well, you go ahead. And they, they said about the Sabbath, we got into that discussion. And, and, and so we're talking, and I said, well, I didn't know you were Jewish. I'm not Jewish. Well, why do you observe the Sabbath? Because the Sabbath was reserved for the Jewish 
says, no, 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 no. Uh, the word of God is always the word of God. I said, when it is, when it is interpreted properly, which you apparently are not doing. <laughs> Needless to say, we had partings of the way. I wasn't ugly to him. But what he was telling me is incorrect. The Sabbath was reserved for the Jewish people. When Jesus comes onto the scene, he changes everything. He changed the way we worship. He changed the way we live. He changed the way we operate. He changed everything. And so the reason why we meet on Sunday is because that's the day that our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, rose from the grave. And that's the reason why we worship on Sunday because Sunday is a day of worship. which means we're celebrating that we serve a risen Savior. He's not dead. He's not even sick. He is on the throne. He's in charge. And he's coming, and he's coming soon to take his bride home. So, very quickly, we see that uh, in verse number four, we've already talked about, but look at the promotion. Uh, we've already talked about a little bit of this, but in the promotion, what is it? It says, uh, uh, why do we come to worship? Well, we come to worship, to worship. But Adrian Rogers said it this way. Dr. Adrian Rogers and we all know Dr. I was talking in Sunday school class uh, this morning is that we were talking about anger. And I, uh, in Ecclesiastes, he was talking about uh, a foolish ruler is one who cannot control his anger. And uh, so we were talking about that. And then I told him about my dog setting experience. And I'm not going to bore you with all the details there. But uh, uh, Rebecca and them have a dog that really gets under my skin. He really does. And so uh, Bear, that's the dog's name, wanted to show me that he was ruling today. And I was mad. So I grabbed the dog. We both went down to the ground. I'm hanging on to the dog. I'm down. And I said, and I mean, I'm down like that. I'm saying, and the dog's looking at me like, and I said, you are not the boss of this house. I'm the boss of this house. And if you don't straighten up, and I'm starting to talk to the dog like it's a person. And he has big brown eyes. And he looked at me with those brown eyes. And I started to feel bad about it. I'm saying, I'm getting angry and I'm having a discussion with a dog. So we were talking about anger. Just throwing this in. This is not in my notes. This is just free of charge. If you cannot control your anger, you cannot control others. So we were talking about that. And so I came to understand uh, Dr. Adrian Rogers, he could peel your hide and you didn't even know it. He was very dignified and very well spoken. And I would listen to some of his sermons. And then after the sermon, I'm sitting there, I'm thinking, he just ripped into me. <laughs> but he did it in such a nice way. <laughs> Dr. Rogers said this about worship. He says, you do not 
come to church to worship, but you bring your worship to church. Pretty good. What does this have to do with all of this? It's because when we come to worship, we need to be doing it God's way. We're worshiping because we're people of faith. We're doing it because we come to realize in and ourselves we do not deserve what we've been given. It's all because of the grace and the mercy of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ that we're able to sit in this room tonight. And so when we come to worship, we have to understand that we're a people of faith. Now, I don't like to use that term again because uh, they're using that term so flippantly now. I like to say it like this. We're a people of faith, faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. That's what separates us. So here uh, in Hebrews... We see that he uses three. In verse number four, he, of course, used Cain. And we know that Cain killed Abel. And in verse four, it says, even though Abel was uh, uh, dead, he was still speaking. Now, I'm going to close with this. How can that be? It can happen to you as well. Because of your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, when they put you in the ground, you are still speaking. Because you have been a person of faith, you've shared your faith with people. You've helped lead someone to saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. You've instilled in your children that there is a God and He's the creator. And, and you, you have instilled in your children that Jesus died on the cross for you and Jesus shed His blood for you. Uh, Jesus was in the tomb, but on the third day He rose again. He's sitting there at the right hand of the Father. Even if you're not here, you still speak because of your faith. I've been doing a lot of funerals here lately it seems like there's a whole lot of things that you hear when people go by as my children say when you when they go by where you're displayed <laughs> and you know what that's pretty much it isn't it and they'll say things like boy doesn't she look good and I'm thinking no she's dead but we say things like that but then I start hearing things about, you know what? Not long ago, it was someone's grandmother, and they said something about their grandmother was the one that taught them Bible studies. They, another one came by and says, you know, my grandmom, uh, she always expected, it was no question that when you went to go see grandmother, and if it was on a Sunday, it was no one of these, hey, you want to go to church with me? It was automatic, you went to church. And I started thinking about, what are they going to say about me when I'm on display? I hope they say something like this. He wasn't much to look at. I don't think they'll say that. but <laughs> he, he wasn't the smartest crayon in the box. He didn't do too well with his grammar and and they might say that, and that's okay, because it's the truth. 
Here's what I hope they would say. You can say a whole lot of things about Papa. You can say a whole lot of things about Brother Mike. As Jay has now referred to me as the exalted one. I told him I kind of like Bishop Mike. Whatever they come by, you can say a whole lot of things, but one thing you can rest assured, he's a man of faith. And because of his faith, he's had an impact on my life and he's influenced my life. I dare say every one of you would like something like that said. See, that's what it's talking about in verse 4. Abel's dead, but because of his faith, he's still speaking. Isn't that good? Because of our faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, when they lay us out, it's not time to say goodbye, but it's time to say, we'll see you later. And that's what separates us from a lost and dying world who has no hope. 